be seated. As you do so, I encourage you to join me in taking your copy of God's Word and turning with me back to the book of Acts, back to, back to Acts chapter 2, as we look again at verses 42 through 47. And these verses, this passage has become familiar to us. We have looked at this a few times during our course of the study of our study on the church. And we come back to it again this morning because it gives us information, it gives us the direction we're moving in as we continue to study what is the church? Who are we? What's the mission God's given to us? We look at it kind of in the broad sense of our shorter catechism. We know what the chief end of man is, and that is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And the same is true for the church. What is the chief end of the church? What is the chief end of Bethel ARP? Was to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So there's there's different aspects of that we need to look at. And so using our passage again this morning, we're going to look at this aspect, another aspect of how we glorify God how we enjoy him, particularly as Bethel ARP here in Winsboro, South Carolina. And so as you find that passage, let me pray for us as we uh, seek the Lord's blessing in our time together in his word. So pray with me if you would. We come to your Lord and we've already prayed and sung and been reminded this morning that great is your faithfulness and you are so faithful to meet with your people through the reading and preaching of your word that you send your Holy Spirit to guide us, to strengthen us, to open our our ears and our minds and our hearts so that your truth may be sown. We pray that all the hearts here this morning are good soil, ready to receive the seed of your word so we may know the grace of Jesus Christ, the mercy of your forgiveness, and the blessings of being your disciples. Lord, bless us in this way, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and we will stand together now for the reading of God's word. This is looking at the early church where Luke tells us, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. And the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. It's coming up on 10 years of us moving to Winsboro so I could be, have the, uh, the privilege of being as pastor. And in the 10 years of us being here, we've come to understand something that the rest of you already know. And that is in this weird, metaphysical way, Winsboro is the center of the universe. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. 
If you're from here, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It seems that no matter where you go, either in South Carolina or in the nation or even in the world, you know you stand a very high chance of meeting someone who has some sort of connection to Winsboro. Again, mentioning you Ten years ago at this time, we were preparing to, to move here. And in you know, our day and age, nothing is official until you put it out on social media. And so after we had announced to our church in Georgia the, the bittersweet news that we were leaving them to, to move here, we put it out on Facebook and social media. Pray for us. We're leaving White Oak in Georgia so James can move to Winsboro to pastor the Bethel ARP Church. And with just a few days, I probably received somewhere around a dozen messages of, of friends who said, oh yeah, I have, I have family from Winsboro. Uh, a friend of mine is from Winsboro. My roommate in college was from Winsboro. Then we started talking to our family and found out that one of the best uncles by marriage grew up across the street from this church in the house where John and Becky Swearingen now live in. It's not unusual for us. It is unusual, but those of us who are in Winsboro, we know we're the center of the universe. We're talking about some of this this morning. Well, Eric, you're talking about y'all met somebody in Africa who knew about Winsboro. So we're not talking about going to Charleston. We're talking about Africa. Uh, Matt, your mom says you have a story about a connection to Winsboro. Right? I mean, there's, there's all these sort of connections to Winsboro because we live in the center of the universe. This past weekend, we were at Pauly's and we decided to go to First Baptist Church Merle's Inlet for worship. We know who the pastor is there, right? Chris Byers, a native of Winsboro. Chris and his family were on vacation in Disney World and the associate pastor was preaching. Preached a wonderful message, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, of God's graciousness, graciousness and providence for those who are single. So after service, we went to introduce ourselves and said, I'm James and Beth McManus and we're we're from Winsboro, pastor of Bethel ARP Church. She goes, oh, my wife has family from Winsboro. We said, well, of course she does because it's Winsboro and it's the center of the universe. So congratulations. In some weird metaphysical, multidimensional way, you and I now live in the exact center of the universe. But as we have studied a church, we've been talking about what is really a sense the center of us living out our faith. At the center of our living out of our faith is the church. This is it. This is part of the center of, of living out the Christian faith. That the gathering and perfecting of the saints of God is meant to be of the highest priority to us. And we will not let anything else interfere with that. It's part of the center of our lives as Christians. It is central to our living out our faith. And that's because the centrality of the church reflects the centrality of Christ in all of faith and life. Jesus, or as a Christian, there is nothing more important to us, nothing more lovely, nothing more desirous to us than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. There's nothing, there should be nothing more to us than, than Jesus Christ himself. And he is meant to be so central to our, to our faith and to our lives that when Paul says, for me to live as Christ, we can say a hearty amen to that and say we can confess the same as well. That not for me to live is to have money, for me to live is to have prestige, for me to live is to have a good time, for me to live is Christ. 
That is the centrality of Christ to our lives. All of our faith, all of our life is for him and him alone. He is the exact literal center of our universe. All of our life flows from him and everything we do is meant to lead back to him. For me to live as Christ as the centrality statement of the Christian faith. And in that centrality of Christ in our lives, we are called to live it out through our commitment to the church. Because of how central the church is to a faith and a life in Christ. Church is never meant to be an option. Church is always a necessity. Other things in our lives, other commitments can tend to be options. This is a necessity. Because this is where we gather weekly because Christ has commanded it for our good. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's different, set apart from the rest of the week. Jesus' example that he was known to be at church on the Lord's Day. The fact that when we read the book of Revelation and we read about the rhythm of heaven, we are reading, it says, the rhythm that we find here on earth in church of life and of worship. Because this is where he meets with his people. This is where his people gather to worship him. This is the place where we come to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So central is the church to faith in Jesus Christ. It is so intimate in the Bible. It describes the church as being the body of Christ, of which he is the head. That the church is the bride of Christ, of which he is the bridegroom. That's the centrality of the church and the centrality of faith in Christ. And that's why Augustine, that famous North African early church theologian said, you cannot have God for your father if you do not have the church as your mother. That's not a Catholic church statement. That's a biblical statement. The centrality of Christ in our faith and life is seen in the centrality of the church in our lives. Because at the center of our faith is Christ. At the center of the church is Christ. And we are called to express our faith through our commitment to Christ's church. As we see exemplified for us in our passage this morning. We've read it before. It's probably familiar words to you. But it begins with, this, with these words. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' preaching and teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Now let's think of that early church. We all know we all know the early church was an ARP church. Right? We know the early church, and who were the pastors of that of that early church? It's the eleven apostles. Right? Judas has done his thing. He's he's out. It's actually twelve apostles because they they had at this point. Uh, uh, called Matthias in as, as the apostle. So it's the twelve apostles who are the pastors of the, of the early church. And who made up the early church? They were the pastors. Who made it up? Well, it was those other disciples who had followed around Jesus at some point in his earthly ministry and those who had come to faith since then. And nowhere in this do we get, do we get the, the idea 
that any of the eleven or any of the twelve disciples, or any disciple or, or, or sorry, none of the twelve apostles or any of the other disciples ever at any point said, you know what? I've been with Jesus for a while. I've followed him for, for about three years. I've, I've spent plenty of time with Jesus. I think I'm pretty good. I don't know if I really need that much church anymore. Give him give it three years of following him. Um my family has this place down at the Jordan River. It's really nice. And uh, I think I'm going to spend some more time down there. I've, I've, I've had my time. And that's not what we read, is it? Read about their devotion to Christ and to his church. It was because Jesus was so central to their faith that the church was now so central to their lives. Do you, do you read that? Do you see that? Because Jesus is so central to their faith that the church now becomes so central to their lives. It's because they knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior that they loved the church because the church was his. And so intimately connected with him that it's called his body, his bride. And, and, and so Jesus being so central to their faith and their lives meant now the church was central to their lives. So if we could get into a time machine, we could go back to that time in, in the early church in Jerusalem and, and one of them would invite us into their homes for, for a meal. We would walk in and we walk into their kitchen and maybe on, their, on the wall or somewhere we would see the family calendar. And you have you know, chores up on there and, and, and dentist appointments and doctor's appointments and, and sports and games. You know, we all know what the family calendar looks like. You would see them there circled several times in red every Lord's Day. Everything else is written in pencil. But the Lord's Day is circled in red ink. Because Jesus was so central to their faith and lives that the church was central to their Christian lives. Charles Spurgeon said, Faith that doesn't get you to church probably doesn't get you to heaven. That's a, that's a way of statement, isn't it? Faith that doesn't get you to church probably doesn't get you to heaven. Theirs was a faith that circled every Sunday in red. He was so central to their faith and lives that the church was now central to their lives of faith. So this morning, we're going to begin a few weeks looking at what we see in the early church of how Jesus was so central to their faith and to their lives. And how Jesus best informs the centrality of faith and the centrality of the worship of the church because he is central to our faith and lives. And because the church is central to our lives of faith, then it would make the most and best sense that Jesus would, would, would inform how we do this. And what he informs us with is what we refer to as the means of grace. As we look at our confession, it says, the outward and ordinary means where Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption are his ordinances, especially the word, sacraments, and prayer all which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. So these are the means of grace. These are God's appointed instruments 
by which the Holy Spirit enables believers to receive Christ and the benefits of redemption. And these means are word, sacrament, and prayer. These are the foremost means by which he communicates Christ and his gracious benefits to his believers. And so the logic is this. Since Jesus Christ and his saving work form the foundation of our faith, then we should be both concerned about how we grow in that faith, but how we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And how we grow are through these means of grace, word, prayer, and sacrament. So then, which means our growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ will then be equal with our use of these means that God has appointed for our growth in the knowledge, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the logic here is very simple. The more we are invested in the reading, preaching, and teaching of God's Word, and praying with and for each other and in the administrating and taking of the sacraments, then the more we will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it should be the opposite that is true as well. The less we are in these things, the, 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 the less we are in the Word, the less we are in prayer, the less we are in sacraments, means the less we grow to be like Jesus Christ. These are the means of grace which are meant to be central to us and central to the church. So every church that seeks to be faithful to Christ and have Christ at its center is a church that majors on the reading, preaching, and teaching of God's word, of uh, faithfully gathering in prayer and faithfully taking of the sacraments. And that's it. It's not rocket science. We can make it harder, but it's not that hard. It's how the church lives out its centrality in Christ. Commit to the word, commit to prayer, commit to sacraments. No more, no less. But I think that raises a question, at least it raises a question in my mind, of why these means? Why not something else? Sometimes, we're, we, sometimes we're, we, we are uh, attracted to the mystical. We want, we want the mystical. We want, we, want, we want the mystery there. We want something that's that's ethereal. Right? We want, as I think we've, I've mentioned before, there's a, an old wives tell that uh, if, you, if, you, if you say a prayer and you, and you look outside and you see two cardinals in a bush and that means God has answered your prayer. And that raises a lot of questions for me. Because cardinals aren't everywhere around the world. So what happens to the places in the world where there aren't cardinals? Is God not answering prayers? What happens when cardinals are on migration? Is God not answering prayers? Where's faith? Of praying in the name of Jesus Christ. So saying they're agreeable to the will of God and trusting because he has promised that his word he will answer your prayers. So why these ordinary, normal means well, let's think through the nature of each of these. We'll start with the word. Who is the Bible primarily about? It's about Jesus. We remember that quote we've used before from Tim Keller. Tim, Tim Keller. The Bible is not primarily about you. The Bible is primarily about Jesus. 
from Genesis, the Proto-Evangelon in Genesis 3.15 to, to the book of Revelation that talks about the second coming of Jesus. Every book in the Bible, every chapter in the Bible, every verse in the Bible points us to who Jesus is and what he has done for his people. That no matter where we turn in the word, it's about him. So we go to his word because it's in his word that Jesus makes himself known to us in a saving fashion and makes known to us how we are to live our lives for him. So why is the word meant to be central to the church? Because the word is all about Jesus. It's how we come to know him. It's how we come to know how to live for him. That's, and the centrality that is reflected and we talk, I think we talked about this before. We've, it was reflected in the architecture of the church. What stands in the exact center of your view of vision here in the church? It's the pulpit. Why? Because the very architecture states to us, this is central. There are churches who have um, different views on the centrality of the word. And so what do they do? You have... A pulpit over here, you have a lectern over here, and what's in the middle? It's the Lord's table. To them, what's central is the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. But central to us is God's Word. What about prayer? And whose prayer and whose name do we offer our prayers? Buddha? Me? You? No, we offer in the name of Jesus. We think of 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Romans 8 takes us down to the mechanics of the prayer. When you and I pray, the Spirit of God then takes our prayers, takes them up to heaven, presents them before the Son, who is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And the Son takes our prayers, and then he prays them before the Father on the throne. Jesus is our mediator. He is our prayerful advocate. So faithful prayer is always done through Jesus Christ. That's why it's so central. We are talking to God through the person and work of Jesus Christ in whom all of our prayers find a yes and amen. And then we think of the sacraments of, of baptism and Lord's Supper. Each one of them points us to the perfect work of Jesus. When we have a baptism... It signifies and seals our engrafting to Christ, our partaking of the benefits of the covenant grace, and our engagement to be the Lord's. And what about the Lord's Supper? What do the elements point us to? Jesus' body broken on the cross. Jesus' blood spilt on the cross. The table, when we come before it, points us to the perfect obedience and work on the cross of Jesus Christ. Each of the sacraments points us to Jesus. That's why these means of grace, uh, these are the means of grace that Jesus has given to his church. Because each one of them points us to him. So we don't need anything mystical or ethereal. We don't need that sort of stuff, right? We have his word, the sure promise. We have the prayer where all of our yeses and amens are found in him. We have the sacraments that point us to him. That's why this is central to the church and to us as his people. And so we, when we understand that, 
then we can understand how that will shape all the philosophy of the church when a church is committed to the means of grace. No longer is the focus on numbers. And it's easy for a church to get focused on numbers. <clears throat> when, when pastors talk to each other, we, we fall into the trap of saying, well, how many people do you have in your church? And that's how we kind of, in some ways, uh, measure the health of a church. How many people are there? But a means of grace church says no longer are we focused on numbers. No longer is our sole focus on what we can do to bring in more people of, of, of wholesale change <clears throat> that we can make so we make ourselves more attractive to the world. Now, let me say this. We love having visitors. We're not so, we're not so ingrown that we don't want somebody else coming in. We love having visitors. We love people coming and visiting our church. But we're talking about is the how and the why of growth church. And the question is, and we're going to say this generally, the question is, are you being a church, are we being a church, that Jesus has called us to be? A church that glorifies him through our devotion to him and to our devotion to word, prayer, and sacrament. And that is what attracts people. Do people want to come to church, to our church, because it's obvious that we love Jesus and we're centered in his word? We're faithful in prayer. We love to take of the sacraments. Or do we want to be a church that's always trying to keep up with the secular world, that's not only becoming more secularized, but in becoming more secularized, is becoming more and more set against Christ. Because in doing that, and trying to keep up with such a secular world, in order to, to get more numbers, we're going to inevitably <clears throat> begin to water down the gospel. You can't help but water down the gospel if your main goal is to, to keep on attracting people in. And we're not going to name names. But it takes only a quick look at churches who go that route. And we see where they end up. And it's not a good place. So yes, we as Bethel, we can take that route. <clears throat> Starting this week, we can tear out all the pews. And put in theater seating. Big, comfortable leather chairs. We can fire Bootsy in the choir. Hypothetical. Not really. <laughs> we can get in a praise band. Rip out the organ. Put a nice backdrop back there with some lights and some lasers and some fog. Find you a pastor that looks good in skinny jeans. Because I don't. We know about that. Quit having sermons. Having more life coaching every once in a while, we kind of sprinkle Jesus in there. Here's how you'd be happy. Oh yeah, there's Jesus. Here's here's how you do. You'd be more satisfied in life. Oh yeah, here, here here's Jesus. We could do that. What would we end up being like? Well, I'll tell you, we wouldn't be a church. It would be just a watered down version of a gathering of general general Christianity that loves numbers and growth more than we love Jesus. The minute we love those things more than we love Jesus, then we cease to be the church. And then we cease to be in a church, we cease having the hand of God's blessing on us, and that's a terrible place for us to be. Now, Jesus at the center of the church means that He alone informs how we are to faithfully be the church. And He has graciously told us word, prayer, and sacraments. And that's what we see in our Acts passages. They are devoted 
to the preaching of God's word. They are devoted to the prayers. So they are devoted to the breaking of bread. That's another way of saying uh, the taking of the sacraments. They were not a church of fads. They weren't worried about the culture. But they also were a church that was beholden to man-made traditions and opinions. They weren't a church that was seeking to always impress the world, but they also weren't a church that wanted to believe there wasn't a world out there for them to interact with. They were a church that loved Jesus and therefore were centered on Jesus. And that made them a means of grace church. Because what were they devoted to? God's word in reading, preaching, and teaching. Praying with and for each other. And faithful in the administering and taking of the sacraments is a church that listened first and only to Jesus and followed only his voice. And so whenever the session met and the diaconate met and the women's ministries met and any other committee met, they did it all through this prism and paradigm of the means of grace. And that's the example that's been given for us to follow. Jesus has commanded it. We have the early church following it. And we see the blessing of listening and obeying. Said the Lord, added to the number day by day those who were being saved. This is a really wonderful picture if you think about it. Because what the church was doing wasn't rocket science. It was faith. It was just faith. Living out their faith. And people from the outside are looking at these people going to church and they go, there's something different about them. And, and, and I like their difference. They're nice people. And they help take care of each other and they, and they take care of others. I, I think I want to know more about this. And so, and so they come to church and they hear what the apostles uh, preach and teach. <clears throat> and they hear how they pray with and for each other and they see taking other sacraments. And, and Jesus, through his gracious spirit, used these means to change them. To take from them their hearts of stones and to give them hearts of flesh. To give them hearts and minds that were centered on Christ alone. That's how the church grew. Word, prayer, and sacraments. Martin Luther has this great, great saying of why we're to not trust in feelings. He says, for feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. Luther understands that we live in spiritual warfare. The devil's smart. He's smarter than you, and he's smarter than me. And we're told that he can disguise himself as an angel of light. Why? To play with our emotions. Because why do we sin? Because it feels good. The devil convinces us feeling good is better than obedience. So what do we do? We go to the means of grace. We go to the objective truth of God's word. We go to prayer in his name and for his glory. And we go to sacraments that points us to him. And that is how we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How we're more centered on him so we can live more and more for him. The Father has created Bethel ARP to be a means of grace church. The Son has redeemed Bethel ARP to be a means of grace church. And the Holy Spirit leads Bethel ARP 
to be a means of grace, church. That's what we've been commanded, and that's the example we've been given. Central to our faith is Christ. Central to our lives, faith, is the church. And the church is centered on Christ through word, prayer, and sacraments. We're going to look more at this over the next coming weeks, but pray with me now.